So it's good to be here again, and um, it's good to see the evolution and growth of the uh, community here. So I wanted to talk about a theme that's uh, very much related, in a way, to the holidays and to the Thanksgiving holiday, however that was celebrated. And I want to talk about the themes of generosity and gratitude. Uh, I'll talk about uh, maybe about a little less than 30 minutes and leave some time for us to talk together. I want to talk particularly about generosity and gratitude as aspects of our practice. So one way to look at what we're doing here, to to speak about this practice of developing mindfulness and more of an open heart and wisdom and the ability to act skillfully in the world, one way to talk about that is to see that we're moving in a way from a more self-centered attitude and approach to life in which we try to as it were, maximize what we think are our pleasant experiences and minimize our unpleasant experiences and in some ways act more unconsciously out of um, sometimes good qualities but also sometimes uh, qualities of greed and, and confusion to move from that place to a place of greater sense of connection, of interdependence, plus self-centeredness, more of a quality of an open heart. And that shift that really helps us to understand, I think, better some some of the qualities of generosity and gratitude because I think those qualities are both related to that shift and moving more towards a sense of interconnection and a sense really of a kind of openness of sharing and giving where we are less each trying to accumulate, as it were, our own mm, experiences and almost uh, mm, resources, whether they're um, financial or, or moral or spiritual, sort of for ourselves, and to move towards more of a sense of the sharing of energies, of resources, of gifts, uh, more with a sense of interdependence and more with a sense of open giving, more a sense very much that's present in the native uh, understanding that the gift keeps moving. That's really the spirit of generosity. And so you can see by that, that reference that it's both an individual quality to be developed and also uh, something that we can develop as communities or as a larger culture. And I think there's been a very strong emphasis on that here at IMC, which I really um, I love, and I'm actually quite often inspired by the the sense of the development of what we might call a culture of generosity, a culture of dana being the uh, Pali word, the word in the Buddhist languages or in the Buddhist language the Buddhist spoke for gener- what we translate as generosity, this, this sense of giving. And it's really something that is being developed here by the culture of encouraging um, volunteers, by the way that this this, uh, center depends so much on the generosity of so many people and and the way that uh, there's been a very conscious decision and I've had uh, a number of discussions with uh, Gil about this, about being 
quite conscious of um, taking, taking the Dharma or taking our practice really out of the market system as much as we can and making it both the, um, the fees, the lack of fees and the lack of um, sort of expected amounts, which we would, we would uh, even in other places, meditation is often bought and sold. You know? And it's, so I think it's a quite significant experiment in a way that's being explored here about how can we shift how we do things as a community and hopefully that can have a significant influence um, on the larger culture, partly by what we are, what we bring to other parts of our lives and say, well, maybe can't we do it a little bit more like we do it at IMC, you know, in, in our work situations or in our families. So I think it's, um, I'm, I'm inspired and I sometimes, um, I talk about this community elsewhere in a good way. So it's, uh, so it's a beautiful exploration uh, and it really is about generosity. And it's, I know that for myself, it's something that I have found at different um, other places as well, you know, other, other cultures. Um, when I, I grew up in uh, Maryland and I um, started spending a lot of my time in the uh, southern mountains from, from a pretty early age. And when I was in my um, 20s, early 20s, I um, <clears throat> built a cabin with my brother, kind of, a, kind of a small house, large cabin. And the culture of the Southern Mountains, I think, is much like much of the country was until a while ago, because I think there's been a shift, maybe away from generosity. That's my observation. You may share that, of the larger society and culture. Uh, but my experience there was that there was very much a culture of generosity, that people, when there was um, something to be built at harvest time, people shared and people came and helped others. And we built this um, small house and we actually didn't buy any wood for the house. Everyone, people learned, <clears throat> learned we were uh, building and they gave us. They said, oh, we have an outbuilding, take it down. Or here's a small cabin we're not using, use the used the wood for that, and so we actually ended up, most of the uh, cabin is built with old chestnut from the 1910s and 20s. And it's really, um, and I experienced that, it really was very moving. And like I say, I think there's been a shift because I think much of the country was like that in certain ways, even not just uh, rural areas, but I think urban areas. And I've also experienced that when I've, um, been in other places. So I think it's been particularly striking when I've been in uh, native communities and I've gone up to the Pacific Northwest and been part of their potlatch ceremonies, which they give, uh, might be something to try here in, in the own version, but they have gift-giving ceremonies. Some of you know the potlatch, which, in which they, and the one I went to, they gave gifts for three days in a row, starting about two or three in the afternoon and going until three at night. It was also mixed, some of, I'm sure many of you know, with, with dances and different kinds of um, uh, rituals that were, that were it was quite striking. But it was really an um, experience of generosity being more of the norm. I think, as many of us know, uh, dana or generosity is one of the uh, paramitas or paramis, one of the core qualities to be developed in our practice. It's not simply kind of an add-on that 
you know, Buddhists have added on to make sure that fundraising gets taken care of. Um, you know, okay, yeah, we have generosity as one of our virtues. It's, it's actually, I think it's actually deeper than that in many ways. Uh, that it's, it's right at the beginning of the list. And so people who are practicing want to, in some ways, take generosity as a quality to be developed. And I'll, I'll talk in a moment about some of the ways we might practice it. But it's, again, I think for many of us, it goes a little bit against the grain. I know that's true for me. And I remembered uh, one experience I had about the sense of generosity, which happened actually not right around here. I was um, with my friend uh, Thich Minh Duc, a Vietnamese monk uh, who lives um, actually in Sunnyvale and teaches, has taught a lot at the uh, Duc Vien Temple in uh, San Jose. And we were, I think he was, he was actually taking me and two other people out to dinner. And uh, there was a driver, and Minduk was in the um, front seat. In the back seat was myself and another friend from Thailand named Sulak Sivaraksha. Some of you may know of his work. He's been nominated several times for the Nobel Peace Prize uh, and uh, is um, both an activist and a teacher, an organizer a student of uh, Buddha Dasa, the, the great Thai teacher. And Sulak was telling him some of his work. We're sitting in the back seat, and, and, and Minduk just said, oh, that's really good work, and he took out a wallet. He was, he's a monk that has a wallet. <laughs> and he took out his wallet, and he just gave him $200. He just handed it to him, you know, said, I hope this can be helpful. And I was sitting there, and I said, I don't think I would do that. <laughs> uh, I think I have something to learn here, you know, uh, about the quality of generosity. And it's, um, um, I, think, I think I have been learning some, you know, some about that. But that was a very inspiring experience. It really has stayed with me. And I think partly being in this uh, teaching role uh, more in the last five or six years, it's also re- working with Donna and you know, the, the, much of the support for people taking the role that I'm taking this morning is by Donna, financial and otherwise. Some, some people give me um, regular supply of vegetables. Uh, but it's really, sh- I can feel my own sense of a shift of how I relate to uh, gifts and generosity and so forth, and more of that sense that things are moving and that generosity is more the spirit of do I have something to offer? Why not? And it's more a sense, therefore, there's a need, and I can meet that need. Let me do it. That's more the sense of generosity that, that we think are moving towards. Um, Sylvia Borstein tells a story in one of her books of a woman who gave uh, $6 million to the San Francisco Symphony, and she was asked, uh, why did you do that? And she didn't answer because music is so important, or because I love music. She said, I gave it because I had it. And it's an interesting interesting reflection to see, see what's there. In the classical Buddhist tradition, there's, a, uh, there's some guidelines for the practice of generosity. It said, uh, and it, it specifies who we should give to, what we should give, how we should give, and what the spirit is of giving. 
And I think it's helpful to, to reflect on those. It's said that we should give to several groups of people. Uh, we should give to friends and relatives. We should give to those in need, those who are poor or, who are ill, who are afflicted in some way, including animals. It's said classically, we should also give to other beings, not just human beings. And it's also said that we should give to those who are leading, in a way, exemplary lives. And I think in the tradition, it's particularly to give to monks or nuns, or those in some ways are sacrificing some parts of their lives towards intentions or goals that can inspire us. And I, I was reflecting on this. I thought we should modify that a little bit, not just monks or nuns, but also artists and people who are in some ways leading lives that might involve sacrifice to bring out something of beauty or really to give to us. I think of artists, some kinds of activist people who are helping others. I would add those to that category. <laughs> so you may as well. So, uh, so what should we give? We're invited to give um, the basics the basic needs, uh, food and clothing, shelter, medicine, and so forth. This is, again, this is uh, classically. We're invited to give that which is valuable, uh, particularly learning, culture. We're invited to give of our own beautiful qualities. And I think that's another, it's a, another sense of giving, that we give when we offer our own awareness, our own presence, our own uh, care, our own wisdom, that it's in, in many, many situations, that's an amazing gift. So I think we, it's helpful to broaden that sense of giving. So it's not just, sometimes we think of generosity or giving just in terms of um, finances, but we give of ourselves as well. And it's again a question of, do, is there a need? Can I give? And to, to uh, see that as a practice. It's said that the gift of the Dharma is the greatest, greatest gift, the gift of the teachings and practices which help towards freedom, towards greater freedom, towards greater openness of heart. How should we give? It's said courteously, <laughs> happily. Remember, this is a practice. It's not, we're not, generosity is not about, I should be this way. End of story. It's really a practice where we see uh, what comes up when we move in this, in this direction and, and work through, in certain ways, um, some of our confusions or constraints. How should we give courteously, happily, without regret, to both friends and foes? That's an interesting one, isn't it? To both friends and foes. And at, at it ends, at the en- uh, end of the list, it says, how should we give to everyone all the time? Again, I think this is more a direction. And it, I, I thought of, a, there's a beautiful passage from uh, Walt Whitman, which I wanted to read from, um, um, this is the preface to uh, Leaves of Grass. Some of you, some of you may know this. It's, about, it's really about the spirit of generosity. This is what you shall do. Love the earth and the sun and the animals. Despise riches, he says. Give alms to everyone that asks. Stand up for the stupid and crazy. Devote your income and labor to others. Hate tyrants. Argue not concerning God. Have patience and indulgence towards the people. Take off your hat to, um, to nothing known or unknown or to any 
human being or any number of human beings go freely with powerful, uneducated persons and with the young and with the mothers of families. Re-examine all you have been told at school or church in any book. Dismiss whatever insults your own soul and your own your very flesh shall be a great poem and have the richest fluency not only in its words but in the silent lines of its lips and face and between the lashes of your eyes and in every motion and joint of your body. <laughs> this is what you shall do, he says. <laughs> and I was thinking of um, two practices that I think are, are both simple and helpful for developing generosity. And in a, in a way, they reflect the general way that we might practice, which is that on the one hand, we cultivate mindfulness, we see our patterns, we see particularly patterns which are helpful or those which lead to suffering. And then we also develop the more helpful or beautiful or skillful or wonderful qualities. So I was thinking on the one hand, part of our practice is to be mindful of moments when a certain greed or self-centeredness comes up and to really notice those moments. Sometimes we can actually notice them and deliberately going the opposite direction. But part of this practice is to be mindful and notice. It doesn't mean we have to judge ourselves or criticize ourselves, but we can notice. When am I being uh, greedy? When am I being self-centered? You know, what's my reaction when someone, I meet someone who's on the street asking for money? You know, where do I go? And again, it's not so much to say I should do this or that, but it's to really explore what's there, to be mindful. To see what, uh, because generosity is really, in a way, an antidote to greed and self-centeredness, and and we have to explore those. Um, About four or five years ago, uh, Diana Winston and I led a class um, um, called uh, Greed Management. (laughs) It was a five-week class. We explored in depth greed. It was actually pretty interesting. To be honest, we didn't have a a huge number of people sign up. (laughs) But we also, I think we didn't, I think we, I don't know if we charged anything, so that may not have been been an issue. (laughs) And we explored greed a lot. It was very illuminating just to, and and for people to sit around talking about their greed. It was pretty interesting. And then we had a final exam for the class. Uh, and this will date it because uh, we went to the new, newly opened uh, Bed Bath and Beyond in El Cerrito, which some of you may know that store. It was and it was recent. It was right like the, a few a week or two after it was opened. And for our final exam, we did um, 30 minutes of silent walking meditation <laughs> in, in Bed Bath and Beyond. I'm sure there are stores nearby where you can do something like that. It's actually very interesting because we invited people just to do silent walking meditation and to notice what came up. And a lot came up. For me personally, I had never been in Bed Bath and Beyond. And I was amazed. It was um, right as you come in, there were 40 different kinds of garbage cans. And I discovered 
that they had, you know, the, the creative manufacturing genius of this country had gone to great lengths to invent all sorts of things that I, I had no idea I even had a need for them. Uh, and I thought, hmm, may, well, maybe, I, maybe I could. <laughs> so there's, there's that uh, mindfulness. It's, it's, so it's just a mindfulness of the qualities of kind of the grasping or the greed and something we can just really keep happening in our daily lives. And it plays a big role in that transformation towards greater generosity. And the other, the other aspect of uh, practice, broad aspect of practice of generosity, would be to actually consciously say, I will uh, act generously. And what I, what I experience is it's to sort of put generosity on the radar, to sort of put it in my mind, in my consciousness, and one, one way to do it, which came out of the Wednesday class at Spirit Rock that uh, Sylvia Borstein uh, initially started, and that now I co-teach with her, is uh, people take vows every day to do three acts of generosity. And they can be really, really small. And you know, one, an example would be when you're driving and someone wants to get in the lane, just let that person very small act, but, but my experience was that in really reflecting on generosity and saying, okay, I'm going to do several acts a day, it, it shifts consciousness in some ways. And it can, can even, you know, because there are a lot of really small opportunities. And, and you know, uh, I think, well, I know here, just with all the way that uh, members of this community help with so many um, actions, that that's, that's a part of things. But just ask yourself if you want to take that on. Do I want to take on three acts of generosity a day, or, or two, <laughs> if you're interested? And, and to really just see what comes up. It's more like it's in the consciousness, and when a certain moment comes up, you know, I, I experienced this around Thanksgiving, just, just reflecting someone's generosity. Someone would say something, and maybe, you know, I'm sure everyone here, uh, you know, has relations, families, friends, and sometimes it goes well and sometimes it doesn't, right? And, and, but just to have that spirit of generosity and, and maybe someone says something and the normal reaction would be to be reactive and maybe we go in a different direction. And this isn't to say that generosity is just about being a totally nice, codependent person. Because I think there, I think there'd be some, there would, there are some, we'll find as we explore generosity and then that there are some distortions that are possible, that we can be generous out of our self-image, you know, and for many of us who are in roles of the so-called helping profession, teaching or serving in some way, I think we know all the distortions of generosity that can come up, you know, the ways that we might give with an attitude of superiority or with self-image or in order to um, appear nice or to be a certain way. And part of the work of generosity is also to work through that stuff. It's to see how they're distortions, how we use generosity in problematic ways or try to develop it. So that's, that's maybe we could say that's the third aspect of the practice of generosity is to, to look into how the distortions may occur. 
I think gratitude is quite related to generosity. It's also this sense of the, this kind of the movement of gifts, having a sense that my life is partly about the receiving of gifts. And again, for, for some of us, maybe for many of us, it can be a shift that we, I, I know in many of the groups or sort of subcultures I'm part of, gratitude isn't always um, a big thing, you know, or even appreciation. And I know sometimes, and maybe you've had this experience of being in groups or meetings or working with people where sometimes, I, I know in some groups, we sometimes consciously try to focus on appreciation and we do one practice that I know I've done a few times is where a group of us might just be in a circle. Maybe we've worked together or just been through some experience. And we go around and we say something appreciative of the person on one side of us. And we go around the circle. And it so shifts the energy. How many people have had something like that experience with groups or settings? It's a powerful practice, very simple. Because I think for many of us, and again, it's, it's maybe in our culture, we don't always appreciate each other. and We don't really focus on the appreciation. And it really, we're hungry for that, aren't we? We're really um, hungry to be more in that kind of a setting. The Catholic contemplative Thomas Merton thought that an attitude of gratitude, so to speak, was right at the center of spirituality. I wanted to read something that he said. My own personal task is not simply that of poet and writer, still less commentator or pseudo-prophet. It is basically to praise God out of an inner center of silence, gratitude, and awareness. So you can translate if his language, his Catholic language doesn't fit for you. You can translate that into Vipassana language, if you wish. It is basically to praise God out of an inner center of silence, gratitude, and awareness. This can be realized in a life that apparently accomplishes nothing. Without centering on accomplishment or non-accomplishment, my task is simply the breathing of this gratitude from day to day in simplicity and for the rest turning my hand to whatever comes, work being part of praise, whether splitting logs or writing poems or best of all, simple notes. And so it's really reflecting on what we can be grateful for. And again, this is a practice like that of generosity. It's not simply that we demand that we are generous or, or grateful, but it, we, we incline ourselves in that direction, just like we incline ourselves towards mindfulness or towards, towards loving kindness. We don't demand, you should be mindful, you should be loving. It's more we do it as a practice where we move in that direction. And sometimes we are and sometimes we're not. And but we learn things along the way. We sort of purify ourselves. And so we can be grateful for our ancestors, for our friends, for that which is good in our lives, for the beauty of the earth, for the beauty of nature. We can even be grateful for that which is difficult in our lives, which is a harder one, isn't it? To really see that much of our learning only was possible because of the difficulty. That's, uh, that's a more challenging perspective in some ways. I wanted to read um, a poem by um, W.S. Merwin, which is really about this sense of gratitude for that which is difficult. It's called Listen. 
with the night falling, we are saying thank you. We are stopping on the bridge to bow from the railings. We are running out of the glass rooms with our mouths full of food to look at the sky and say thank you. We are standing by the water looking out to different directions. Back from a series of hospitals, from a mugging after funerals, we are saying thank you. After the news of the dead, whether or not we knew them, we are saying thank you. In a culture up to its chin in shame, living in the stench it has chosen, we are saying thank you. Over telephones, we are saying thank you. In doorways and in the backs of cars and in elevators, remembering wars and the police at the back door and the beatings on stairs, we are saying thank you. In the banks that use us, we are saying thank you. With the crooks in office, with the rich and fashionable, un change, we go on saying thank you, thank you. With the animals dying around us, our lost feelings, we are saying thank you. With the forest falling faster than the minutes of our lives, we are saying thank you. With the words going out like cells of a brain, with the cities growing over us like the earth, we are saying thank you faster and faster. With nobody listening, we are saying thank you. We are saying thank you and waving, dark though it is. So that's a that's a hard one, isn't it? Yeah. And then, again, we don't demand that, but we, I mention that as a possibility. And maybe we can see that possibility in how we can recognize, usually after the fact, I learned a lot during that difficult time. You know, and maybe that can shift how we are in a present difficult time, knowing that there's a big, can be a big horizon to that, which I think our, our Dharma practice, our mindfulness practice helps with that as well. And I think in the end, we may really um, be grateful for the whole mix. It's what the, what the Chinese call the 10,000 joys and the 10,000 sorrows. It's really um, it's to be grateful for the gift of life or the gift of consciousness. Maybe to tune in more to the mysterious aspects of this and to say, oh my God, look at this. We're all, all these individualized beings sitting around looking at me, some with their eyes closed. Isn't this an interesting reality? Look at this. And, and to really, um, again, it doesn't mean not to um, dismiss what's challenging or dismiss what should be changed, but there's a, there can be an attitude of gratitude. And I thought I'll, I'll just end with, um, um, this, is, this is a little book called St. Francis Preaches to the Birds, and it's about gratitude, and I'll end with this. And I'll actually, um, I'll read the whole book. <laughs> okay. This is St. Francis, it's pretty quick, don't worry. It's 5 a.m., wake up, St. Francis. He opens the window and sings, tra-la-la. He brushes his teeth and says, thank you, teeth. He washes his toes, and says, thank you, toes. He gets milk, drinks his coffee, and says, thank you, coffee. I don't know whether they had coffee in the Italy in the Middle Ages, but <laughs> he goes through town, through the apple orchard, over the pasture and up the hill, and the birds come flying, 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 Still fine. Then St. Francis 
preaches to the birds until the sun sets. Yes, until the sun sets. Good night. (laughs) Thank you. We have a little time for questions or reflections. I'm Audrey. Uh, can you hear me? Is it on? Yes. Okay. This way. Uh, I want to thank you for a wonderful talk. I, I really appreciated that. Um, while you were talking, um, often thought about generosity, but it occurred to me that one of the most difficult parts of generosity is in judging, in judging other people and how to let go of that. So maybe you have a few words. Yeah. Um, I think what you're pointing to, again, is the, the way that um, cultivating generosity is a practice. It's, again, we're not demanding, you be generous, Donald or Audrey. But it's a practice that we move in the direction and all, and like the mindfulness or the loving kindness, all sorts of things come up and we notice them and judgment might be one of them. It might be, uh, in other words, some kind of what harsh judgment towards, towards others or towards oneself. Were you thinking of a particular example? Um, well, I might even think that somebody was being generous for a self-image or yeah. judging somebody, um, their personality or character traits, and yeah. not being generous about who they are. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's partly to notice that and to know that. <clears throat> again, I think we may sometimes think. I know I do sometimes. I think of generosity as somehow a lesser virtue. You know, there's generosity, and that kind of is preparatory when we get to the real important stuff, wisdom and mindfulness and so forth. But I think it points to the way that um, generosity is a very, it's a very powerful quality. And so we, as we, <clears throat> as we explore how we are when we're generous or how we make comments about others, we really can, um, we really can notice that and, and I think explore the judgments. The judgments are going to, be there with a lot of what we explore because, you know, and I think some of you know, I've, I've been for several years been doing a day-long retreats on the theme of working with judgment. And I've been really partly surprised, partly not surprised that uh, of the different themes that I teach, this is the, the only one which is generated without me almost doing anything, like a monthly group that's been meeting for several years wanting to work on judgment. So it's a big one. And it seems to be particularly big in our culture. And so it's, um, I think the practice of it is a deep practice because it really, it really can take us into, um, quite a bit into what's unconscious, into our deeper sense of identity. And so taking the theme of judgment is a beautiful doorway, a challenging doorway to explore more and deepen. And I think, so there are a lot of ways to work with it. I think a starting point would be just simply to be mindful 
notice what it's like, see what's there, and and to just take that as to be expected when we, when we actually when we go deeper with anything that we're going to find those judgments. That's a starting answer. Um, we're going to be I'm going to be doing another day long at Spirit Rock in March and, uh, on on judgments. Maybe I could do it here sometime. Yeah. Please. And also, I'd love to hear people sharing what's worked for you in terms of developing generosity. Yeah, please, Linda. Um, I saw something last week which just um, tore my heart out in terms of generosity. There was a, um, a boy about 16 who was asking for money, basically, in San Francisco. And he was standing at the top of an elevator and he had a sign that said, please give me something, at least a smile. And everyone just walked right by him. And I stood there for a minute just watching to see what happened. And not a single person gave him a smile. And I thought, isn't this pathetic that no one can give him a smile? Yeah, that's a very, yeah, please. Why not give him a smile? How much does it, how much trouble does it take? How much does it hurt you to give him a smile? Mm-hmm. That's a, it's a very uh, poignant, but I think I think we know that uh, we probably for most of us it wouldn't be too hard to know what was there with the people who walked by, right? You know, what what would what would you name if you had to name a quality? What might be there in the people who walked by? Mm-hmm. Fear. Fear. There's an, another example. There's another example that I think is a little more hopeful. I, maybe some of you have seen it. There's a, on on uh, the internet. There was a, a a video of someone in I think in New York, a large city, with a sign saying "Hugs available." Yeah. And initially, there was that kind of response that people would turn away. And but some, suddenly, a child came up and gave this gave and received this hug. And eventually, other people were gathering around and making more signs. And then there was a whole happening mm-hmm. around hugging mm-hmm. and the, the generosity of hugging. And so I thought that was an, yeah, another I, example. I, I heard about that. And it really, um, in a way, points to... Um, remember, there, there are kind of like two aspects I was pointing to. Maybe three aspects pointing to as a, in the practice of generosity. The first is to be mindful and notice what's there. So when we encounter people who are homeless or whatever, we can notice, okay, is there aversion? Is there fear? Is there the thought, I don't want to deal with this or whatever? And and, and to really look at that, notice it, be mindful, explore. And then the other aspect would be, the second would be to seek out ways to actually consciously move towards generosity. You know, and and I think there's tremendous room for creativity because I think what Linda's example points to is that we do have larger cultural issues about, I, I would, again, I would say that the larger cultural dimension of generosity, I think, has shifted some, and people are more and more, tend to be more isolated, more fearful, more self-centered, again, and that, that's my own observation. And so how to, uh, how to do experiments locally, or in the community, how to bring about more generosity, I think that I think it's time for a shift because a lot of people don't feel comfortable with that, the way the culture is. 
So please, and then and then Betsy, have um, in the back. Yeah, hi. You, you touched on this a little bit when you talked about Thanksgiving and you know, difficult family and friends, etc. Yeah. I wondered if you could expand a bit more on that in terms of you know family situations where you know abusive behaviour goes on or abusive statements are made or whatever, and 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 how one responds to that sort of situation with with I suppose gratitude in terms of this talk this morning. <laughs> Well, I think we've, uh, should we think of this as preparation for the um, December holidays? <laughs> uh, we've just had the Thanksgiving ones. Um, it's challenging. It's, um, um, once when I asked the Wednesday class at Spirit Rock, what do you most want to explore and talk about? They said, being with people who are difficult. And that was the number one answer that they gave. They didn't talk about developing wisdom or mindfulness. They said, how can I be uh, more skillful with people who are difficult? And um, I'll have to give a really short answer. I, ha- I think I gave, oh, I know, on the um, Insight Meditation Center website, there are two talks I gave about two years ago called The Dharma of Difficult People. And so there's like an hour and a half of talks on this topic. So that'll be my long answer. The short answer, <laughs> the short answer would be, uh, first of all, we may not go right away to gratitude. Uh, that one would have to be very mature and probably have worked through a lot to expect there to be gratitude if there was difficult or what you were calling abusive behavior. And so it's, um, I think it would be partly um, I guess it depends on how strong it is. I mean, sometimes if there's really abusive behavior, we have to um, stand up and say this is not acceptable. You know, maybe with as much um, wisdom and compassion as we can. So, uh, in the long run, in the long run, if it's if it's uh, sort of ordinary difficulties. Uh, sort of ordinarily difficult people that don't cross a certain line. Because I think when certain lines are crossed, other considerations come in. But if they're just ordinarily cantankerous aspects of ourselves and our relatives and our family and our friends, then we can practice. And then, and then we can... Oh, I was going to say our time is up. So this will be the last... Uh, I'll, I'll try to give a really... It's a big question, isn't it? I'll give a, a really brief answer and then... If, if you could be really, really brief, Betsy. So, to be as mindful as possible, to frame it really as the chance to, to learn from the difficulties, to move away from just pathologizing or blaming the others, and to move it both through one's individual practice. There's a lot we can do individually, and there's a lot that we can do interactively. Uh, but there's a lot we can do individually by simply looking at our own reactivity, looking at our own part in the, the mix. And then if the other people are cooperative, we can sort of bring it together. And that's very, very condensed. I could talk for 10 or 20 or 30 minutes on it. But maybe we can talk later if that was not so adequate. So we'll close with a traditional practice uh, of the dedication of merit. 
which is an ancient practice, which is really also a um, generosity practice, actually, if you reflect on it. It's, it's an offering of what's been helpful and uh, fruitful from the time we've had together and offering it outward to others. So may we remember that we practice not just for ourselves, but for others. And may we offer the fruits of our time together, the insights, the learning, the energy. May we offer it freely beyond ourselves and even beyond this community to all beings for their benefit, their healing, and ultimately their freedom. Thank you.